I am thrilled that we're going to be digging into another one of these messages about kingdom finance. I don't know, Patrick, it seemed like a lot of people responded to the last one. Yes, it's been a pleasant surprise. You know, uh, it's just so timely. It feels that way, doesn't it? I don't think there could be a better time to be going into this subject than now. When the economies of the world begin to shake, then the economy of God is stable yet still. Amen. Absolutely. Well, it felt like let's keep digging into this and let's look at where our real understanding of kingdom finance originates from. Um, From the beginning of the Bible, we see that God is, has no problem blessing his people and connecting resources, wealth with the kingdom of God. Right. Abraham is our father of faith. Before Abraham was, Adam was in the garden. And it says when God made Adam, he made Adam in between four rivers. Now we'll teach on that probably the next That one. sounds good already. <laughs> <laughs> And those four rivers each mean something supernatural about increase, Ah. productivity, multiplication, supply, bursting forth. So those rivers tell us of the life and the supply chain we're supposed to be living in, in the middle of our walk with God. Hmm. God made Adam and put him in the middle of those four places of supply. So people now say it like this. Everybody should have four streams of income. I didn't, I didn't correlate that. Wow. That's where that comes from. Okay. <laughs> Did not realize that. And so when people talk about four streams, they're actually looking at the fact that God put Adam in the middle of four streams of wow. four rivers so that you don't just have one stream of income, but you have a multiplicity of supply. So that should one go down, the other stays constant. When one begins to increase, that increase doesn't become everything you're living on, but you can put that in the bank or use it to reinvest so that you live in the flows of different streams or sources. Right. And those natural organic flows. Oh, that's good. So you get into the place where you find out, here's where God's blessing me. Let me invest in these and see them bring a return. Now, that's how God started. And it says, laying around on the ground, there were precious stones, gold. Mm -hmm. That means Adam was walking on wealth. Yes. Wow. Now, why did God do that? Because Jesus now is classified as the last Adam. Right. But when Adam was first made, he was not made sinful. He was made in the image and likeness of God. So God was telling man from man's very beginning, my ideal for you is that you would walk on earth in the midst of rivers, standing on resources, just like I do in heaven with a river from underneath my throne, standing on streets of gold and gates of mother of pearl because the foundation of God's kingdom is precious stones and wealth. So God was making Adam to walk out his existence in a similar fashion as he is in his own realm because the two realms were coming together because you are made to be on earth as I am in heaven because you shall have dominion, reproduce, make the rest of the earth look like the garden. (laughs) So I need you when you step out of the garden and you don't see rivers abounding and gold at your feet and onyx stones laying around like pebbles, 
you are to look and go, this doesn't look like where God meets me. Right. So I have to make this match that. Wow. That's how you are now king and priest, mm. Lord and ruler by carrying what you saw in the garden to the rest of the wow. earth. The image and likeness. Ah, oh, yes, sir. Carrying that. What, um, mm -hmm. would you say Solomon was a type of Adam? I know I always hear Christ is a type of Adam, but Solomon is a type of Adam as well. Oh, you're, you're talking good now. Solomon is such a representation of Christ in that similar fashion. So just like, think about this until Jesus came, our only revelation of what we were supposed to be like was Adam and then Adam before the fall and then Abraham. Okay. Moses, Abraham, then we keep going, David, and Solomon. Now, Solomon was such a rep revelation because Solomon was the third king. Right. Now, this is so important. Saul represents the first administration of kingly authority, which is the power we have as we are walking with God, but we have not yet built relationship in God. I see. And that's where the failing was with him. That's the, the lack of the relationship. It was always the anointing came upon him, but it never says that Saul built a relationship with I God. I see. He was chosen for a work. Anointing with no relationship. Anointing with no relationship. David was chosen for relationship. The people want a king, so I'm choosing you for the work. David has a heart like mine, so I'm choosing him for the worship. Mm. Solomon has a mind like mine, mm. so I'm choosing him for the world. Revival. Wow. One is for the work. The other's for the worship. Work. The third is for the world. Saul was work. David was His for worship. the worship. And then Solomon, Solomon is for the world. Wow. That the fame of him went throughout the whole world. That when the queen of Sheba comes, she says, my ears had heard of you. They told me the whole world is talking about you. You were made for the world. You were made to build God's temple. You were made to establish something in a generation that would not pass away. Your father was made for the worship. We learned how to worship God by David. We wow. learned how to honor God through David. The Levites and the household of God got the sound of God and the songs of God and the worship and the dancing of God through the life of David. And the sacrifices never ended. But in Solomon, the building of the temple began right. and his house reflected the nature of God. You were made to show the world longevity, creativity, and dominion. Now, I was reading recently that Adam went to sleep and woke up with a wife. Yes. Solomon went to sleep, woke up with Lady Wisdom. Yes. Or the wife of wisdom. Yes. What's the correlation uh, oh. with the helper and the wisdom? Oh, this is so good. Okay. What we see over and over, because Solomon is a type of Christ. So let's go back and then I'll, I'll answer that. So Saul represents us. Okay. David represents Jesus or the redeemed nature. Okay. Solomon represents now the kingdom or those who have received the Holy Spirit. 
So Saul is, this is what the Old Testament looks like. David is, here's what we look like with Jesus. Okay. Solomon is, here's what we look like with the Holy Ghost. Wow. So it's those three manifestations. This is what I look like in the Old Covenant as Saul, always fighting and wrestling. Flesh. Double-minded, fleshy nature. Got a covenant, but don't know how to keep it. Mm. Have a call, but can't walk it out but so many days. Full of power, but also full of problems. Here comes David. Now this is what I look like with Jesus a double-natured man. I've got my nature wrestling with Christ's nature, but it is the nature of God, the heart of God that resides within me, that every time this part of me that tries to dominate shows up, this worshiper within me, this spirit of God within me, this Jesus who died for me, overcomes and manifests the full reigning wow. power of a redeemed life. Amen. So that a man who wasn't a prophet sees a thousand years into the future. <laughs> and a boy who wasn't a king makes the oil stay in the vessel until he shows up. Wow. And a worshiper who had no audience sings until the animals begin to gather around him and the stars begin to praise above his head. And a child that wasn't honored as a son tells us what it's like that I've never seen the righteous forsaken Good nor Lord. their seed begging bread. <laughs> he stepped into a redeemed nature. My, my. He is the Christology or the Christology given effect in a man. But here comes Solomon who speaks of us, the church, the church, which is why it's just like Jesus being fully revealed because Christ is revealed in the church. Solomon represents the church being revealed, okay. the church age. He represents those who were birthed into existence by a covenant relationship with Jesus. Those who heard the word from the inception of their new beginning. For David was not told when he was a child, seek wisdom, my son. Right. But Solomon was told upon my mother's knee and in my father's lap. They said, seek wisdom, ask for wisdom, search for wisdom. So that's the whole revelation. The beauty of a Solomon mindset is I was created from a relationship my parents had with God so that I could now manifest the deep nature of that to the world. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a book right there. <laughs> you got to write that one. That, that'll that be our next one. Yeah. I'm hoping it pull you off too far. No, no. <laughs> Because it really works together because that if we look at the life, we see, even in their life, a momentum of resources that they tapped into. Yes. Because yeah. David began the, the momentum, correct? Yes, Laid up sir. the storage, the facilities, and, and the lumber and all that. Um, what would you say about that? Mm. Uh, laying, that? How David laid up for Solomon for position, helped him position, per se. No, that's that's absolutely true. I think if we really look at it, we understand what David did. He created a legacy. Legacy creates dominion. His legacy created a dominion. Flowed into that dominion? Flowed into, into that dominion. dominion. Okay. See, what God said to him was, David, as long as you do what I've called you to do, you don't build the house. But I want you to do what? Invest, invest in other nations, continue to build relationship, uh, fight for other people, and they'll stand with you. So every act of wisdom in David's life created an inheritance okay. that became a legacy 
that he passed on to Solomon. Okay. So that by the time Solomon came along, Solomon didn't have to buy any other lumber. David had gathered. He didn't have to come up with the diagrams. David had already drawn them. Yeah. He didn't have to figure out the plan. David already knew it. He didn't even figure out, have to figure out how to design the clothes. David had designed yeah, right. the clothes the priest would wear. Solomon just had to get a thousand seamstresses to make them. And then even Hiram of Tyre, he had already, David had yes. established that relationship That's right. for Solomon to walk into. It was David's friend. That became Solomon's workforce. Wow. That's the legacy. So if we're wise in finances and wise in our walk with God, as we are sowing and building, so not just money, that's why we keep saying resources, right. your connections, your investments, your lessons along the way, even the books you read, um, the classes you take, become knowledge that you should be passing on to your children that become the seat of wealth they operate from when it's their turn at the table. My, my. So that they've got a hundred things in their spirit they can draw from. So they're not starting at ground zero. Right. They're already up here where you are so that you build a nation. But Solomon built a temple. Amen. Truly allowing your ceiling to be yes. their floor. Absolutely. Now, are there times in life where you have a season of building and laying up resources like David and then you and then other seasons where you're like a Solomon? Do those seasons go back and forth? They do. That's that's a really good point. They really do because there's a fluctuation. So for many people, when it comes to wealth, influence and management, you have to discern. Are you a David or a Solomon in this? I see. OK. Now, if I'm a David, that means God wants me to help design. Well, this is good. Gather and teach. Design, gather, and teach. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to design, gather, and teach. So that gathering might look like warfare. Whoa. Yeah, because David was gathering, but every war he won spoils. was spoils. So the resources for Solomon's productivity were the result of David's conquering. The shields of brass. all Yes. The, yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay, that's good. So you have to know if you're a David, I am designing. So that means you have to be content to know sometimes, whether it's in a company, a ministry, in your own family, your job is not to help them build the thing. Your job is to help them dream the thing. I see. So keep talking about the design. Talk about the future. Help them perfect their gift. Give them materials that they can put into their spirit. Help design it. Help design that you know this company I have, the furthest I may be able to get it is 40 or 50 employees. Okay. But I know I'm going to help my son or daughter or my top employee. I am going to help give them the tools that should I reach this level, there will be investors in the future who come along that will bring us to 300 or 400 employees. Wow. So I need you to always know in the back of your mind, you are going to go further than I am. You're going to build more than I've built and that's okay. So don't hold back because you think I'm going to be jealous or offended that you outdid me. Right. No, I am designing something that should be bigger in your life than it ever is in mine. Mm. So design well, in those places, gather, gather people who are work. If you're a David, 
in that instance, then I'm gathering for the sole result of having breakthrough to establish, knowing that much of what I'm gathering will not reach its full potential for years to come or in the next generation. And that's okay. That's what you call generational mindset. Okay. Like the scripture in Hebrews where it talks about um, they didn't see the full reward or the inheritance but yes. believing. Believing. Yes. Having the foresight. The foresight, yes. That we're going to walk into what our faith told us is coming. Amen. So you've got to be okay with that. Now, that's the David mindset okay. in that place. And remember, you're going to conquer and grow and have success and be overcomers. So never feel like that because I can't do it all that I haven't accomplished anything. No, I have had many, many successes, but my greatest joy is knowing that those who come after me, who I'm getting a chance to pour into in different cities and nations, will one day do 10 times the thing I'm able to do. Mm -hmm. Why? Because my job is to lay enough foundation and give enough resources yes. that they will be able to hit where I am now, they will hit 20 years earlier. Amen. So then the expectation is they got another 60 years of living, 50 years of living, and they should go further. So that's how we're supposed to build in that mindset. Now the Solomon mindset, Solomon mindset is I am creating something never seen before. I am reinventing what has already been and I am establishing what others didn't even dream. Wow. That is the place where you have to be willing. A Solomon mindset means you now feel content to do what has never been done. So you don't have the push to keep gathering. David always has a push to gather. He's oh, always looking for men to gather. Content. Say that one more time. So you are now content that you have enough to build. How do you discern that when you hit that mark? Number one, there has to be, when you look around you, going from one to the other, when you look around by the voice of the Lord, for those that are hearing the Lord clearly, you start there. That the Lord says, you've got enough. I'm going to bring you more, but you have enough. You need to now build the thing I've shown you, or you're going to miss your window. You're okay. going to waste years. So one, by the voice of the Lord. Two, by the timetable of people you trust in your life. Huh. When they begin to say, you know what? I've had a dream about you starting that business. I, I saw you the other day writing your book. When you start getting these benchmark moments from others you trust, where if you hear it, what they're really saying is the clock of heaven is striking now. Move forward. Because what did Solomon do? He had a dream. Mm. It is when those moments come where God aligns your spirit to your destiny, where you catch a picture of what it could be. That's when you go, I need to move forward. Now, you will be afraid. You often will be trepidatious. Because the idea of building and breaking into something new is daunting. The key is, is the fear simply the unknown? Mm. If I am simply afraid of what I've never done before, it seems too big, it seems daunting, then I cannot listen to any kind of fear. Okay. Because whenever you take a greater step, the natural human response is fear. But fear becomes exciting when you learn to just run toward it. 
Yes. Amen. Wow. You know, I think you're a swimmer. You you swim. I sometimes. grew up. I did. Okay. Yeah, I grew up swimming. Now I didn't do much swimming, and so, but I I always have had friends who did. And one of the things I loved was when we would go and hang out, either at the beach or at a pool, watching them go up and and dive. I've never been someone who could dive. Never did that. Yeah. So I asked one of my friends once because they said, "You want to come up here?" I said, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, "I can barely do the right. the dog paddle." <laughs> And so they were on a um, six-foot board. And so they jumped. And woohoo! And then there was one, I think it was like 10 or 12 foot. Yeah, they get up there. But the one I'll never forget was we went to this massive pool, once a huge, huge pool at a college. And it had, I think it was like a 25 or 30 foot. It was it was way like Olympic size. Olympic yeah. size. Like those diving things oh, at yeah. the Olympics. And one of my friends, he was a he was a diver, and he so he's going up and he said, I said, What are you doing? He said, I'm going up to the top. He said, I hadn't had a chance to do this in a while. And I said, doesn't that level uh, scare you? And he said, it did in the beginning. I said, it doesn't now? He said, no. He said, if you jump toward the fear enough times, fear becomes excitement. Wow. And you never forgot that line. Never forgot it. Because to watch his face, it was sheer joy. When he was standing on the edge of that platform and he lifted his hands up in the air and got his toes pointed together straight and everybody's going, is he going to jump? And he goes, woohoo, and leapt, <laughs> did two flips and just straight into the water, a little splash. And we're all like, oh my God. And he comes up, everybody was clapping. And I went, oh, and he was just laughing. He said, it is pure joy. Mama. When you refuse to let fear tell you you're going to die. He said, I knew I wasn't going to die. I just had to keep practicing until it became fun. It's almost like a performance or you're going to speak in front of a group of people and then anxiety rises. It's almost like something, it's like a fuel source per se. Mm. And if it's not there, it's almost like we need it to be there because it's a good indication that what you're doing, mm. not all the time, mm -hmm. but I'll probably... A high percentage of the time, yeah. you're probably headed the right direction. Absolutely. Because I think sometimes we forget. Now, we're not talking to just everybody in the world who decides, I want to try something right. new and dumb. We're specifically talking to people who we're hoping that you're having a relationship with the Lord where you're asking the Lord yeah. questions and you're reading your words so that your mind is becoming renewed. In that place, believers have to stop living in a place where they think, the fear of something new is God warning them you're going to fail or you're going to miss me right. or what do I do if I miss God? Okay. We're not talking about sin. Some sin no, that you're yeah. thinking you don't have to pray about. <laughs> is this going to miss God? Yes. You yes. know you're missing God. <laughs> so just go back home and yeah. do what's right. But in this instance, whenever that fear of something new, of trying something new, of starting my business, of investing money, of, of practicing something. Do your research. Do your due diligence. Don't do business with a crook. Don't put your money in something that doesn't produce. Do your homework. But once I've done my homework, then that fear that says, can I really do this? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I'm going to jump off this thing until I begin to enjoy the fall to the water. Amen. It reminds me of it's always struck me when David, towards the end of his life, and he uh, uh, was, uh, consorted or what is you know he gave in, 
he spoke to Solomon in front of the people. Yes. You know, like with Joshua, be strong and have a good courage. He charged him. He char- It was a charge. And I, I've always thought Solomon had the blueprints. He has the funds. He has the, uh, the cedars of Lebanon all piled up. The workforce is coming and already there. Yes. But David still had to t- charge him and basically say, be strong and have a good courage. Yeah. And all these things are already lined up. I thought that was encouraging mm-hmm. that we still need to be exhorted and charged. Absolutely. And it's part of that fear thing, I believe, as well. The healthy uh, excitement yes. and anxiety that all the pieces are there, but then you still have to take action and know it's okay that if you feel that uh, anxious, anxious or uh, kind of a good trepidation, yes. that it's, it's, it's fuel for that journey. Absolutely. And to, um, like rocket boosting to get you there. So it always struck me that David had to still, because he knew, David knew. Yes. He still exhorted him and be strong and follow the statutes, follow after the Lord, even when all, everything was already lined up. Absolutely. It's a good reminder for us that we need the same thing. We have to. With everything already lined up, we still need the same thing. We need those words of affirmation and encouragement mm-hmm. because sometimes in the midst of life, we forget that as we're believing and dreaming and we're talking about finances or we're talking about healing or we're talking about miracles or we're talking about whatever the thing is we're believing for, when all of the weight starts to rest on your shoulders, mm. that's the difference. Mm. I could watch David's faith and be strong, but when it's going to be my faith now, when David is about to go home to his fathers, as, script, as the scripture says, when he's about to... I love how the verses say, and they would lay in the bed, pull their feet up into the bed and give up the ghost and die. I love that King James phrase. It's how I want to go out right there. That brother, that's how we're going. <laughs> I'm a prophet. I shall be old and full of years. Yeah. I shall lay down in my bed, pull my feet up into the covers, prophesy over my family and tell them I shall see you again. And then breathe out my last and go. Amen. I shall do. He said, I will satisfy you. If you do my will and keep my commandments, I will satisfy you with long life. Mm. That's his promise. Yes. He promises to let you just choose. I'm leaving now, y'all. My, my. <laughs> We've all heard stories of saints. I'm sure you've known some. I've, I've known heard you say testimony yes. of, of saints that knew when they were going to give up the ghost. Told you when they were going. Yeah. I knew t- my great grandmother. Um, that morning, my aunt says um, she was in the house and she was spending time with everyone, but she just didn't feel hungry. And so she went into a bedroom and she said, I'm not going, I'm not going to eat this morning. And she laid down. And uh, as she was laying down, she said, I'll see y'all in a little while. Mm. And they said, Okay. And so they left the room, and when they came back, they thought she had just taken a nap. She was up that morning talking healthy, not sick in her body at all. Said, well, I'm not going to eat right now. I just want to lay down. Lay down, said, I'll see y'all in a little while. She knew she was going. Laid her arms across her, her chest, laid back in the bed on the pillows. And when they came back to check on her in about an hour, she was gone already. In glory. Gone in glory. My oh life. yes, yes, sir. Glory. She gave up the ghost and went on home. She was ninety-eight years old. That's glorious. Yes, sir. I've known many a saint that went home like that. Yes, wow. yes, sir. 
And that's one of, when we talk about the wealth of the kingdom, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that's classified as the wealth of the kingdom. What do you mean by that? Long life. Oh, long, yes. Okay. Long life. See, we often think about wealth as just being the amount of finances we can tap into. But wealth is a multitude of things in scripture that is finances, it's resources or people, connections. He said, I'll give you people who will strengthen you. It's health in your body. It's wholeness of mind that the Bible says about Moses, his eye was not dim, neither was his natural strength abated. It literally meant at 120 years old, he had 20-20 vision. Still sharp. And was still walking around with a straight back and good knees. (laughs) And it said his natural force was not abated. Wow. Walking like a strong man. That's a good prayer. Lord, I pray that my natural force not be abated. Not be abated. Over your loved ones, over your parents. Yes. That's a good prayer. I'm going to write that down. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. That's one of the things we pray. And it connects to the promise God made them when he brought them out of Egypt. Part of this covenant of health and healing, Hmm. of wisdom and wealth. The Lord said, I shall put none of the diseases upon you that I have put upon the Egyptians. That's one of those promises. And it says, as they ate the bread and drank the water, Lord, take sickness out of the midst of us. And so I remember as a little boy, we would pray that continually. When we would bless our food, Lord, we thank you as we eat this food and drink this drink, you are pulling sickness Sickness out of our bodies. Wow. For that is the covenant you have made with us. And we thank you. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, sir. For many of you who, who may be listening, I, I, we could keep going into a whole yeah. other section, but I feel like we've I hit a place. Right, yeah. For many of you who may be listening, we just want to say over you that as we're talking about wealth and resources, one of the reasons why we went this way today is because we wanted to open up your thinking that it's not just about money, but it's about a concept. Yes. That the concept God gives you is that like a Solomon, you have been given the ability to tap into the supernatural glorious presence of God and that the Lord wants you to be reminded of the fact that you are always walking in supernatural supply. Yes. And so whether it's healing, wisdom, connection to family, the Lord is saying to many of you, stop poverty thinking. Yes. Stop thinking you are lacking, missing or broken. But right now today, Lord, yes, Patrick and I, we join our faith with all those listening. Thank you, Jesus. We declare over each of you, may the Lord cause you to know that his promises over your life are multifaceted. Yes, Lord. There are rivers, resources, yes. increase that belongs to you. That like Adam, you sit in the midst of four different streams. Yes. There's more than one way God can get this blessing into your house. Yes, Lord. Don't limit him to one way. Like Abraham, God has made a promise to you and to your house that he would carry you and bless you. Like Moses, the Lord can take the wealth of a nation and transfer it into your hands if that be what is necessary. Like Solomon, God can bring into your house what other people have laid up and helped to build and you by wisdom and learning and being a good student can have access to resources you didn't build, but you shall administer. Father, bless your people. Give them ideas and strategies, wisdom and right thinking. And may your house be full of possibility, passion, 
and the power of the Lord. We pray this over you and declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.